We believe to ride and run is freedom and empowerment. We believe riding and running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people were physically active, the world would be a better place. We believe in physical activity because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Ride and Run Podcast with your host, Dave Martinez. And welcome to the Big Peach Ride and Run Podcast. I am your host, Dave Dolomite Martinez. You can call me D2. And yes, it is finally spring. We have had the time change. We have sprung the clocks forward a couple weeks ago, and now we are officially into spring. It's starting to feel a little bit warmer. You know, the morning's still kind of cool, but no more freezing temps. You know, the afternoons are feeling very nice in those 60 to 70 degrees, and it's just you know, when we can, when it's not raining and we have that low humidity, it is the perfect time of the year. So let's hope that summer doesn't creep into spring because typically it's been my experience over the last few years that we get maybe one or two good weeks of spring before we get into that high humidity and the heat. So uh, take advantage of it while you can. So if you're running, you're riding, this is a great time uh, to uh, participate in those uh, activities. Also, the Peachtree, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution Peachtree Road Race, that is now open. So um, the lottery is open. If you're a non-member, you can uh, register uh, for the race and be put into the lottery. Uh, you have until March 31st. Um, if you're an actual, uh, if you're an Atlanta Track Club member, you can obviously, because of membership, you get automatic entry, just register and uh, pay for that registration, and you are automatically in. The Peachtree is back uh, as usual um, uh, you know, on July 4th. It's a one-day event, so really looking forward to that, to being part of that running community, uh, 60,000 participants, um, and finishing down in Peachtree street, they partner up with Monday night brewing the, uh, Peachtree, it, you know, falls on the Monday. So that sort of kind of makes sense to have that partnership. So for those Atlanta track club members, you can finish at uh, Piedmont park and enjoy a nice frosty Monday night beverage. So that's fantastic. So today I've got a awesome guest, the work that they're doing. It's um, Bearings, Bearings Bike Works. I'll make sure I get the name right because they're doing a very important work. Um, so this is a, you know, an organization, a you know, nonprofit that I learned about, you know, probably in the last two years as we kind of got more involved in bikes and, you know, they are just doing phenomenal work. And it started, you know, back in like 2008, 2009 in their, uh, you know, in their home over in Adair Park and just, you know, befriending and just, you know, getting to know their neighbors, the kids and providing, uh, you know, basically, you know, letting the kids earn bikes and, you know, through doing, you know, work around their neighborhood, started out first cleaning things up in their neighborhood, picking up trash, and then becoming a little bit more of a formal type of program when the demand uh, sort of increased and the donations also increased as well, where, you know, through friends and, and connections, people are dropping off bikes um, for kids. And the kids were then in that neighborhood also saying, hey, you know, I heard you guys give away bikes. How can I get a bike? And so that was sort of kind of the, the genesis of that. And now they have a brand new facility that opened up in 2020 and continue to do phenomenal work. And just to go through their website and read the stories and, um, you know, the, the, the way they're really, truly transforming lives through uh, you know, through bikes. Um, and it's, it's just something that I just, you know, I, I became a huge fan talking to Becky, um, Becky O'Mara and, and her husband, Tim, uh, started this. They are still, you know, involved very much deeply involved in this and, you know, working with the community and trying to help, you know, the youth in that community, you know, through skills, um, really vocational type skills, but also what, you know, Becky refers to as soft skills, things that just, um, they can use down the road later in life, communication skills, uh, building responsibility, uh, you know, ownership, pride, confidence, things like that, that, you know, I think, you know, are just Im important to everyone, regardless of whether you're a kid or an adult. I think anything that allows us to kind of gain pride and confidence is always a, a great thing. So we have that conversation coming uh, up. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this break. 
Big Peach now sells bikes at our Brookhaven location, Big Peach Ride and Run. We help get you into the right bike that fits you and your needs. Many of us enjoy being on two wheels as much as our own two feet. It's not only a great way to stay active and fit, it's also a great way to recover from long runs and also have fun. We carry kids, commuter, mountain, gravel, road bikes, and more, no matter what you prefer. With brands like Giant, Live, a division of Giant that makes bikes exclusively for women, and Momentum, we've got whatever bike you're looking for. Stop by and check out our selection at Big Peach Ride and Run, located inside town Brookhaven, or check out our inventory at BigPeachRideAndRun.com. All right, welcome back. And today I am joined by Becky O'Mara of Bearings uh, Bike Works, and we're going to learn uh, more about you know this organization, this great organization, the great work they're they're doing. So, welcome, Becky. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be with you today. Oh, it's it's a pleasure to have you. Um, so, you know. I've, I've read about, you know, your story. You've got a great website. There's a lot of detail on there, but I want to hear firsthand from you, um, kind of your story. I mean, this is something that you and your husband started back in 2008 and it, you know, you know, when you moved into a dare park. And so I, you know, just straight from you kind of tell us what was it like moving into a dare park and sort of kind of leaning into, you know, the, the genesis of bearing spike works. Yeah. So looking back, you might call us urban pioneers. We, my husband and I were moving in town from uh, Gwinnett um, just after getting married and um, bought a cheap house and started renovating, you know, the perfect newlywed project. So uh, we moved into a dare park and our house is right across the street from the neighborhood park. So we kind of had front row seats to, to neighborhood life in a lot of ways. And um, just realized that it, it was a tough place to grow up, honestly. Um, there was uh, a lot of crime and drug activity in the, in the park and um, even like physical fights would, would happen there. And so kids were, would try to use the playground, but honestly, it just wasn't um, that safe to do so. So over the course of uh, first few months living there, we um, would walk our dog and talk to the kids in the neighborhood and um, got to know a little girl named Brittany and she was eight years old at the time. And um, one day she came by our house without her bike. And this was unusual. She was one of the few kids in the neighborhood that had a bike and would ride it um, up and down the sidewalks and the streets and in the park. And we asked her, what happened to your bike? And she said the tires had gone flat and um, I didn't really have the means to fix it just or we didn't know how to. So we offered Brittany um, some help to help her fix her bike. Said, hey, we can help you with that. Um, might have to, you know, earn the money to to get the tubes and tires. It was it was going to be a little project. So we came up with um, chores for her to do around our yard. She just things to have a little skin in the game. But she swept the porch and raked leaves. And after a couple weeks, we decided it was enough. She was done. We were done. And um, we uh, went to the store and realized that getting a new bike was only about 15 bucks more. So we surprised her with a new bike and uh, said, congratulations, you earned it. Great job. And of course she was over the moon, excited, rode off and 20 minutes later came back with two friends. And she said, they want bikes too. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we're, oh, we don't really do that. But uh, over the course of a, a few weeks I don't even remember but we had this thought I bet people have bikes in their garages that their kids had outgrown maybe they'd give them to us and I was working at a big church out in Gwinnett at the time so I just started talking to friends just people young families and people had kids and sure enough people had bikes and they were more than happy to get rid of them so we started taking these bikes and we Tim would fix them up make sure they were safe and rideable and we'd invite kids to earn a bike um, by picking up trash in the neighborhood. Um, litter was a, a big issue at the time. So the trade became, hey, if you help pick up five bags of trash, you'll earn a bike. And so word spread and it just, um, it went from there. We realized that bikes were this amazing and still are this amazing tool for building community and just getting to know our neighbors and, um, I got kids active. They were just riding these bikes all the time and we got to know their families and we slowly got to spend, as we got to spend time with them, just build influence, build relationships and be able to speak into other areas of life beyond the bike. Um, 
So that's how it started right there in our driveway in, in 2009. <laughs> well, that that's awesome. I mean, I, you know, you know, I'm familiar with the area. I've actually have, have run through Adair Park through this little, uh, you know, sort of kind of a race uh, kind of series that was kind of going on that was had these very kind of almost secret locations that would pop up on a weekly basis. I'm not uh, sure yeah. if you're uh, familiar with the Atlanta, I think, Grand Prix series or something like that or... or um, it, it, was, it's, it was done by another local, um, you know, company here. Um, and, you know, yeah. during the pandemic, they did this kind of virtual type run. So they would pick all these cool. little pockets of neighborhood and Adair Park was one of the ones that, you know, you know, um, you know, we kind of ran through and, and, you know, depending on the on course, but, you know, back, I guess, you know, truly, you know, the neighborhood has obviously changed over the last, you know, you know, I yeah, guess the 12, years, 12, 14 years, years yeah. since you've been there. So, you know, moving in and I think it's, it's, it's improved quite a lot. It's transitioned into, you know, where there's a lot more development, you know, you're uh, right near the Lee and White you know, establishment. It's got Monday night garage, world heaven. So now it's becoming this yeah. community area of gathering a socialization, but that's not what it was like back then. So you truly were kind of pioneers moving into an area that was, you know, had a lot of crime, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, like you said, the kids fighting in the park, yeah. you know, you know, crime and for you to kind of, you know, and, and your husband to step out in the community, um, you know, get to know the kids and your neighbors, uh, you know, is, is really something kind of special. I don't know that many, uh, you know, many times we even know who our neighbors are. We tend to kind of keep to ourselves. So doing that, I think is, 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 it was awesome. But, you know, I was, one of my lead up questions was, you know, kind of what prompted you and, 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 and what was some of those things. But then I, I started looking more at your bio on your website and then saw, and as you mentioned, you'd done some work in the church and sort of, I think that sort of kind of makes sense now of the kind of giving back to the community, working with youth and stuff. And that's sort of kind of the background for both you and your husband. Yeah. You know, in a lot of some ways we just thought, um, and I don't know if it was purposeful or not, but it felt like, you know, there was a certain kids that were just like written off or, you know, my, my husband always says, um, if you tell someone they're not going to amount to anything, there's a good chance, good chance they're not going to amount to anything. And um, when there's so many challenges, it feels overwhelming. But um, but inside each of these, the kids and the that we serve, we just know that there's gold in there. And sometimes you just gotta, you know, dust it off and help them see it themselves, so that they can take um, take hold of it and um, pursue their their gifts and skills, passions, and, and 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 now in our work, you know, develop skills that are. Um, that are valuable out in, in the community, in the marketplace. Um, and so for us, it was very, it was, it was just intrinsic. We just needed to do something. We knew that um, the challenges could be overcome and that communities are strengthened when you know each other, when, when you know one another's name, everything changes. So, um, you know, it's even in 2008, Adair Park was a very diverse neighborhood. It was very, it was still very empty. A lot of the houses um, that are so beautiful now were were boarded up, and um, after the the housing crisis of two thousand seven. But um, but um, anyway, but when you get to know one another, and uh, things things are different when you when you know one another's name. And so when people were moving into the neighborhood, there there was when that just helped a lot and um it was just became something really special in the neighborhood between kids and adults of all ages and races well you know i, I think that's you know that's a lesson there that we can all kind of learn that you know that you know giving it you know just reaching out uh, you know that helping hand getting you know connected with your neighbors and it could be start off as a very small change just impacting one individual in this case it was Brittany, you know a girl who just had you know flat tires and you reached out and just by getting to know those kids you know and the reputation kind of spread and so you became a member of that community someone that was willing to help and support and started very small and you know and it's grown you know you know to make a huge impact. And I mean, I'm guessing back then you had no idea what the impact you would have starting off with, you know, Brittany as, you know, the first, you know, kid that you would help out simply because she had flat tires. 
Yes. No idea. Yeah. Well, um, and kind of the story is it kind of continues along. Um, we got overrun with bikes at our house, <laughs> you know, yeah. we're like in town living. So we didn't even have a garage. There were just bikes everywhere. And finally I was like, Tim, you got to get these bikes out of here. And so uh, he started looking for something to rent, just some something. And we found this basement of a automotive shop on the corner of the neighborhood um, that would eventually be like, right on the Atlanta belt line, which was really neat, but this was, was way pre even Eastside trail. So, yeah. um, started, uh, Larry, the owner of that property gave us a, said we could rent his basement and, um, it was an automotive graveyard, uh, but we cleaned it up and that, uh, outfitted it slowly over months and even like a couple years into what became a, just a little community hub. And when we ran out of trash, uh, we had to figure out a new way for kids to earn bikes. So Tim designed um, this great program and now system where kids learn how to build and fix bikes. And as they do so, they earn points. And then they can buy a bike with those points from an ever-changing revolving stock that are refurbished um, by our team. And now um, teens and young adults in our job training program. So it's it's moved beyond just Tim and I, and we've got now a team of um, seven full-time staff members, and we've got um, a couple uh, teens, four teens working with us as job trainees um, to serve about 300 kids a year in um, now a handful of programs. Wow, that's that's fantastic. So, you know, as far as getting started, I mean, you know, I've, you know, I ride a bike and I sort of kind of, you know, work on bikes but I'm limited in, in what I know, you know, and, you know, simple things like a flat tire, maybe replacing a cable or maybe adjusting a, a rear derailleur or something like that. But anything beyond that, I think I'd have to learn a little bit more. How did Tim kind of become that expert? Did he go to, you know, take some classes, learn online, you know, buy a book? Because obviously this wasn't something that I think he was originally yeah. trained for, right? And then, then, you know, to take that and then end up sort of, coming up with a curriculum to teach others how to do what was the process of that yeah uh it was a lot of trial and error learning (laughs) on bikes and breaking bikes and starting over uh and then eventually as we could he like our first first tire um was a, a mechanic um someone who had a little bit more experience in the in the bike mechanic world and so um we now have like a full-time seasoned mechanic from the, you know, from the bike world that helps uh, and knows much more beyond us. But, but so it started as just trial and error. And, you know, when you're working on kids bikes for the most part and used bikes, and that's also, you know, you can, it's okay if uh, they're either fairly simple or it's okay if you mess up and we can swap one out or swap out a part. So Um, but now we've got, um, our team that progresses through, um, really some curriculum based off of, um, park tool. They've got obviously like, I mean, some of the best in the industry resources on just YouTube. I mean, it's amazing what you can learn, um, on there. And so, uh, we follow a lot of their, their bike school curriculum and utilize their resources as just like a systematic way to teach especially now um, teens that are moving more into advanced skills, um, just what they would need to know to, to step into, hopefully, you know, have step into a bike shop anywhere in the city and uh, be able to hold their own, you know, and also continue yeah. learning as new things come through um, in the industry, which is always ever changing. Yeah. For those of you that are, you know, are listening and don't know, you know, park tools, it's, it's a sort of kind of in the bike industry, they're like well-known and they're very distinctive because it's always that blue, you know, uh, you know, rubber handle on other tools. So as far as branding and marketing, it's, it's very distinguishable. Um, and you're right. They do offer courses and certification. And I know a lot of the bike shops, you know, have their mechanics trained through there. So, you know, and I did forget that they do have that YouTube channel. So anything you you would like to learn, you can. I've picked up, you know, a, a book here on bike repair and stuff to kind of teach myself. 
um, over you know the last decade or so, and have built up a bike, you know, a couple of bikes, you know, on my own, just by you know kind of tinkering and playing around and finding parts here and there. So there is a little bit of joy in uh, in doing that and the tinkering and just uh, you know, and, and then of course the end result is finishing a project like that and sort of kind of the um, the pride that you take in completing something like that. So I can understand yeah, where yeah. this would be something where, you know, to bring, uh, you know, a, a kid in and say, Hey, you're going to build your own bike. You're going to work in the shop. You're going to build your own bike. And at the end it's yours. You know, there's a sen certain sense of pride yeah. there. I think yeah. that, you know, and, and confidence, right? I mean, I think that's something that. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, we find it's interesting, like, I mean, kids just don't have an opportunity much these days to even work with hand tools. Like, it's not something you're doing in school really anymore. And so we find um, kids who may struggle in the traditional classroom or have behavior issues can come into the bike shop. And because it's so such kinesthetic learning, you're just using your whole body and uh, interacting with something real, um, they can thrive and really enjoy it. Like, I think we were in the early days just surprised at how much kids enjoyed working with tools and working on bikes. Um, but it was neat to see. And um, you're absolutely right. When you learn a new skill, I mean, for, at any age, but especially in childhood, um, adolescence, um, it just does so much for your self-confidence and sudden, like suddenly those wheels start turning of like, Hey, if I can do this, then what else can I do? Um, and those things really start to translate, um, into other areas of life. Um, so that's so, so neat to see. It's something we're, we're super passionate about. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I have seen, you know, just, you know, as I grew up, I mean, I remember working on cars with my dad. You know, whether it's simple swapping out the battery or spark plugs, things like that, that you just do would do maintenance type stuff. So you kind of learn a little bit of that and you, you, um, you, 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 you learn those skills and you're like, okay, well, I can do something. I can fix something. If, if I'm stranded on the road, I get a flat tire. I know how to change a flat tire. And I, yeah. and I, and even simple things like, you know, just doing home repair and things like that, that I feel that you know, it's, I think the times have changed a little bit. I think, you know, we're so computer-based that skills like that, just, you know, working with tools, that sort of has kind of gone away. We've, you know, there's plenty of people you can hire, of course. And I think there's also, you know, conversation about a lack of skilled, uh, you know, people to do those type of jobs and they're necessary, yeah. you know, you know, in, in, you know, in our world, right. I mean, if something breaks down, whether it's plumbing or the AC or something, you need people that are able to do that. Those vocational type of schools and training that, you know, um, you know, can be applied. And I think yeah. there's, you know, for me, you know, I've, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I just bought a, a you know, home, you know, about six months ago. And there's some work to be done. You know, it wasn't a brand new home. It, you know, there was some remodeling, but there's some things that need to be done. And so I'm going to YouTube and I'm learning, you know, how to do some electrical stuff, some plumbing stuff, you know, some, you know, uh, some carpentry. And yeah, there yeah. is a sense of pride, uh, you know, and an ownership of it. And even, and this, you know, there's that sort of kind of like that, um, stereotype of men and tools and going to Home Depot or Lowe's and just spending time. And I get it because that, to me, that's kind of cool. It's, uh, it's, you know, these, this is the, these are the adult toys, you know, you yeah. know, the way I see it. And to a certain extent, you know, I'd say the bikes are the same way. I mean, I was collecting bike tools and doing things and, and love working on a bike. I remember as a kid, you know, doing the same thing where, you know, I had, you know, I think my first bike had like, you know, the, the high handlebars, the banana seat. And, you know, I didn't like the way it looked. So then I'm like, okay, well, let me save up some money. Let me change it. I, I want to change the handlebars. I want to change the seat because I don't like the banana seat. That That's not cool looking, you know, I wanted to look more like a BMX bike. So I'm tinkering yeah, and changing yeah. things. And, you know, that's kind of cool uh, to do and uh, to see, uh, yeah. you know, other kids and that skill kind of being applied, I think is, 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 is great because you're taking that energy and you're focusing it on something positive. Right? Yeah. And they're learning without realizing they're learning like all of those life experiences, all of those, we call them soft skills around here, just come naturally. But um, the bike is so relevant in child, you know, in childhood, adolescence, and, and most the majority of the kids, we serve kids from six to 17. But um, our sweet spot is really in that nine to 13 year old range where 
you know, you're just starting to experience independence. You can get out on your own. You're, you can sometimes, you know, ride around the neighborhood on your own. And so a bike uh, is the tool um, that's so relevant, that's so relevant to their life. And so when you're learning how to maintain it, you, you know, you've got the, the good peer pressure of like needing to keep your bike in working order because you want to be able to ride with your friends. And um, it just becomes this great mechanism um, for teaching those deeper things naturally on, in an unforced way um, and just celebrating riding. And we're just, we just love, you know, it, it's becoming almost like rare to see kids in some, you know, subdivisions around the, the world of like not seeing kids ride their bike that much anymore. And so we also just love that we can, um, as Atlanta becomes more bikeable and some of these older neighborhoods, especially on the West side are, um, are, are really bikeable, being able to support that um, and just celebrate all things bikes, you know, um, in the shop as well is, is really cool. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that, you know, as you were kind of starting this out and, you know, said started out in your your house and then into a you know a garage i mean is this something that you had seen you know was there anyone else doing anything like this were you guys the first ones to do this was there something like you know did you reach out to if there was anyone else that said hey how are you guys doing this or did you just kind of like write the book yeah you know gosh in some ways um we did we kind of wrote it inadvertently um we had seen like other um programs that used tools to like build community and teach skills. And so, and it kind of naturally built into like the earning aspect of the program was um, just a sense of like affirming dignity in other people. We didn't want it to be like a one-way charity type of program for us, uh, especially as neighbors, you know, living in the community, that exchange element was super important. Um, it just kind of set us on even playing ground with the kids we were serving and the families. And so that was, um, we followed a lot of those models in the early days. We looked to folks that were doing things in unique ways um, that were just dignifying and affirming of people. Um, but the bike piece was unique. <laughs> and and maybe just, we, I mean, we grew slowly. We just, re it was like a, a, an actual felt need in the community. It wasn't something we were like imposing, like, no, no, you need bikes. You don't know it yet, but you need them. Um, it was naturally happening. So because that there was like a natural response of like, yes, we do want bikes and need bikes and we need to maintain them. Um, some, a lot of people don't realize like giving kids to, or giving bikes to, low-income communities or um, kids that don't have bikes, a big um, un or unseen uh, consequence of it is what happens when the bike breaks down. Um, so there's a lot of bike giveaway programs, but the minute that bike gets a flat tire, if that family doesn't live near a bike shop um, or can't afford, you know, to take a bike to a bike shop and get a tune-up, um, some of those bikes just end up in the backyard and, um, and aren't ridden again. So for us, we, because we were so close to the families we were serving, saw that and said, oh gosh, this is a, a big piece. If we want kids to ride, you've got to be able to maintain them. And if they know how to maintain it themselves, then, you know, it becomes even easier because they're empowered um, to take care of those things themselves when, when those breakdowns happen. Well, I mean, I think it's, you know, as you said, it wasn't something you had imposed or, or try to force bikes. And I think it's bikes sort of kind of come naturally to kids. I think every kid at some point has asked for a brand new bike under the Christmas tree, right? There's a sense of independence, the, the sense of kind of going out from beyond, you know, the, your sidewalk and riding down the street. It, 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 I think it's something that is sort of kind of natural and it's instinctive of kids that they want to do that, whether it's you know, through you know, you know cultural messages or just advertising things that we've seen that you know we're kind of drawn to i know i was drawn to yeah, it it was yeah. you know cycling for me has always been one of those things that um i i was always drawn to it i couldn't really explain why but i do think it's a little bit of that sort of kind of independence of being able to step away from the house you know and just ride down the street and you're like okay i'm alone 
I'm, I'm far enough away where maybe I'm, I'm a little scared because I, I'm not sure of my environment because I'm always around mom or dad. And so you start testing those boundaries. You start testing, like, how far can I go out? How far can I, can I go yeah. and, 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 and test, you know, my comfort level. And I think as kids, we're just naturally curious. So I think the bike mm-hmm. part of that just comes naturally to kids. And so it makes sense that this took off, you know, in your neighborhood regardless yeah. of whatever the economic, you know, situation may be or neighborhood. I think that's just kind of natural. Um, and then the part as far as, you know, the, you know, the fixing the bikes and, and then, you know, you get a flat and it gets a disrepair. I think that's also common, um, you know, in any really neighborhood because there's so many bikes where people will buy a bike and they have the well intention of riding a bike. But then it sits in the garage, you know, it gets too hot or you get a flat or something happens. It's not working as well. It's not riding as smoothly as you want. You get distracted and then it sits in a corner in the garage and collects dust, never to be brought out again until, you know, like many people, the pandemic became an issue, you know, kind of a, yeah, a catalyst yeah. to say, hey, I've got this bike sitting in the garage. I can kind of take it out, you know. And some, you know, some people will say, well, I've got, I can drive and take it to a local bike shop. Um, but it, you know, it takes some effort to do that, to say, yes, I'm going to continue, uh, to ride, be dedicated in this activity because I love it. And I'm going to, you know, take the extra step and make time to take it to a bike shop or learn how to fix it myself. Where I think mm-hmm. like in your neighborhood, that's, that's a little bit more of a challenge, right? Um, and yeah, I'm guessing, of course, that there was a, a huge amount of support in the community for the work that you were doing. I would say you guys are probably rock stars in your community, right? Celebrities, local celebrities yeah. with the work that you've done, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I would I would think so. Yeah. Oh, we're, I mean, very fortunate and blessed. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, uh, Mr. Tim, especially, he's he's known on the streets around around Southwest Atlanta. Um, and, uh, it's It's neat. It was and once we, you know, we were just very grateful to kind of have been accepted into like the fabric of the community and just, um, the, the bike shop now is just an expression of the community. Like when you walk in during our open shop hours, when kids are working and earning points and that sort of thing, um, like our full-time mechanic is, came up through the program, started when he was 12 and he's now full-time on our team. And we've got other teams that are interning, but part of their internship is leading the youth program. So uh, it's so neat to see like kids who grew up in the program are now in some ways like running it. Um, And they're serving customers. We're selling refurbished bikes and doing repair work. And, um, you know, it's, it's run by um, teens in, in the job training program. So it's, it's really neat to see, um, that it's, it's a reflection, hopefully, of the community and um, just a really neat gathering meeting place as well. Well, it, you know, obviously the neighborhood has sort of kind of changed. It, you know, there's been, you know, sort of a lot of renovations. And I think a lot of it has to do with the, you know, Atlanta Beltline and sort of, you know, that that type of work just, you know, um, you know, draws investors and just, you know, people that are willing to, you know, putting money into that, those neighborhoods, obviously for commercial and business and growth. And so obviously there's that change that has happened, but beyond that part, beyond what is visibly seen more of the, you know, the physical changes that have, have happened, what are some things that you've noticed as far as, you know, maybe the, the environment, you know, since you guys have started, you know, that says, yes, we truly are doing great work and continue to do great work, you know, regardless of what physically is being changed in your neighborhood. What have you noticed? Yeah. Um, well at the shop, um, you know, we've, there's always like a question of how like a neighborhood and people respond to growth when it comes. And, um, we've always, talked and like our our vantage point is hey these are opportunities coming your way um and so we've I think the like success stories are kind of the things that we see in the environment is seeing young people especially teens and young adults look at growth as opportunity um rather than threats or um from a fear-based mentality so um you know the young adults working with us uh, we we talk about like, hey, the, the way you capitalize opportunities coming your way is, is through skill. You've got to develop the skills to take advantage of those opportunities. And when they come, you're ready and you're prepared to do that. 
Um, and I get excited when we see um, just our, our, that permeating the world, um, the, the people, the kids and teens that come to the bike shop every day, that they're, um, they love interacting with people or customers and visitors that come. Um, they love talking about what they're learning. They love talking about where they're heading after bearings. Um, and that's just a unique, I think, you know, in some ways, just a unique thing um, because we're, no, none of us really know what's going to happen. It's, I mean, Atlanta's growing so fast and it, it is changing quickly, but um, in a lot of ways, it's not helpful to fear the growth, but rather say, hey, how do I fit into this story? Where, you know, how do I take advantage of the opportunities that come our way? Yeah, I think one of the things that you mentioned as far as soft skills and, and the way the kids kind of interact and talk about, you know, talk in the shop and interact with, with each other, but also with individuals coming into the store um, and sharing kind of what they're excited about and talking. I think, you know, this is where I think sports and and bikes and, and these type of physical activities provide, you know, you know, provide some confidence, you know, because, you know, for myself, I'm an introvert, you know, I've, I've always been the shy kid, never, you know, up for public speaking. I, if I ever had to do any public speaking, I felt like I was going to die. I would be just sweating and just, you know, just, you know, that was my greatest fear is getting on a public stage until I had to. And it was a mess. Yeah. But I do feel that being physically active, doing, you know, participating in sports, interacting with other people, um, in those type of activities, starts opening up those opportunities and starts providing a little bit more confidence. Uh, you know, I certainly would not be here hosting a podcast, you know, and taking the lead. And, you know, uh, you know, as I mentioned prior to, to, to us starting recording and many people that listen to this know that Mike is the podcast host, he's got the energy. And so I've got to follow him and I'm like, I am nowhere near at his level, but I had to have the confidence to step forward and continue, you know, doing the podcast, doing this. And, you know, it's things like cycling, things like that, that just allow me to kind of reset, refocus, provide me the confidence because I see improvement, I see changes. And I think yeah. those are things that, you know, apply to everyone, whether you're, you know, a kid, you know, that's, you know, nine, you know, or teen, um, all the way to being an adult. I think, you know, sports and physical activity, whether it's cycling or running or team sports, provide some level of confidence and some level of, of, you know, of pride that you're willing to take chances and risk on things that you probably wouldn't do and interact better with other individuals because of the opportunities that are provided through organizations yeah. like, like yours. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I mean, I think that's awesome. I'm trying to draw my own experience and sort of kind of connect some of the things and put myself in, in, in their shoes as well. It just, because I think it applies to everyone. It's not just, yeah you know, well, this small community. Yeah. Well, and we saw that too, specifically with sport um, this last year. Um, you know, we've primarily been like earn a bike program, give a kid a bike and just know that they're going to ride it recreationally. But last year we started um, a youth mountain biking team um, that yep. uh, participates and raced in the Georgia Cycling Association series um, in the fall. And so, put kids who like to ride, you know, we knew they, they were riding all the time, but hadn't ever gotten on a trail, hadn't ever thought about like riding competitively. And um, we had a team of seven last fall that um, can practice for about, you know, five, the five month um, uh, season and then raced and experienced just that. A, had a blast, just like loved getting out, loved getting on the trails. It was so neat to just see the enthusiasm. Um, and as mountain biking has become more accessible, even in, in town, you know, we get, we um, practice over at Southside Park, uh, yeah. which is just about 20 minutes from us. Uh, it becomes a viable sport to, to compete in. And it's just a great step into cycling for youth. You know, they're, it's like contained, uh, area. <laughs> they're not, yeah. uh, uh, in the roads yet but um can develop the skills and we were just so proud to see um the kids compete um and just with that just uh, with that new experience um you just see the the, the confidence build the the willingness to take risks to try something new those are the things that go well beyond the bike um it's neat 
Yeah, I mean, and, and looking at your website, because I was looking at the, the various different stories, and that's where I kind of learned that you guys had that mountain bike, uh, you know, racing program, and you had Kobe, you know, who, you know, started out, and, you know, you know, yeah. he, he finished what last, right? And in some instances he wasn't able to finish just because of the cutoff time, right? I mean, yeah, he had a certain yeah. amount of time to finish one lap and he couldn't do it. And yet he still pushed through it. I mean, obviously yeah. through the encouragement of, of you and the rest of the team, and he was able to mid season, you know, um, you know, cut that time in half until he finally finished. And I think once again, it's seeing those small little steps in that progression, you know, you know, really transforms people's lives, whether it's as simple as, and I don't want to say as simple, but even as simple as building a bike, right? You know, it's like you take those steps to see something completed and you take pride in that, you know, and you build confidence to go into something that I would say is foreign to someone that lives inside the city, right? To go mountain biking, to go in, in the woods and trails, to do, do something completely yeah. foreign and to take a risk and not be great at it from the beginning because no one is ever great at something they're doing for the first time. You know, some people right. may be better than others, but no one's great. It takes time. It takes practice. So for him to continue to, to work at it, to continue to grow, to continue to develop, I think that's just something that once again, at the end of the season, I think he had to have been really proud. And I think yeah. his confidence level is really high. So I love hearing stories yeah, about that. Good. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, but also, you know, there's that aspect because I know that it's, it's, it's a question as well in, in cycling, you know, and it's, you know, we've had that in running is that there, there's not a lot of diversity, you know, in these type of sports. And a lot of it has to do with the introduction of how they're introduced, you know, in, in these communities, right? If you're in inner city, you don't have access to, to mountain bike trails, um, you usually don't have transportation even to, to get you to a place, even if they're somewhere you know, around. So that makes it difficult for, for inner city kids to get into, um, you know, something like mountain biking. And so it's a yeah. pretty much, you know, it's, it's not a diverse sport, you know, particularly I say mountain biking, cycling, I'd say is the same thing, you know, just in general road cycling. And a lot of it has to do with the access to bikes. You know, it's, it's, you know, to, in order to get a nice bike and compete in races, you have to have, you know, a lot of money, you know, typically to buy a nice expensive bike. I've, I've gone to, you know, kids triathlon races that have, you know, you know, 12 year old racing on a $10,000 bike and, you know, the wheels are aerodynamic. I mean, they're, they're fancier than the bikes that I had, you know, when I was doing triathlon. You know, yeah, I'm, you know, yeah, and I was yeah. like 45 years old and a 12 year old kid had a bike that cost three times as much as my bike, you know? So I think those are things that are barriers, but I do think there's ways around it. I think programs like what you're doing, exposing them and taking them opens up that door of, of things that they didn't know was a possibility and yeah, that could drive yeah. them to do more. Well, and, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting like the the cost the cost of getting on like a race worthy bike is is steep so and especially if you don't even know you like it yet you know um you're just trying it out we look to take away those barriers as much as possible and just know like if you can expose someone to something in their youth you know the uh it's a season of life you're trying new things anyway you know so it's they're, they're so open to trying things let's take away the barriers and let them try it out and authentically like say yes I like it this is cool I didn't even think about this like in didn't know this sport was possible um or not for me you know um yep. but um uh Elliot Jackson new friend of ours he's a, a a former pro mountain bike racer and he um we've been talking with him and I so insightful but he said you know infrastructure is key like providing the right infrastructure for someone to step into a sport that has traditionally not been in that sport is needed but it's not just like the physical infrastructure like and and in atlanta like mountain biking is becoming more accessible to communities where it just hasn't been through the good work um organizations like mtb atlanta is doing yep. with um partners even city of atlanta city of south fulton um east point but but also the infrastructure of community, thinking about community as a type of inf infrastructure, having people that you ride with, thinking about that. Like it's, it's hard in any 
new activity to step into something solo. But when you have a, a you're connected to other people who are doing it as well, that you're more apt to continue with it. Uh, and then also just the training, you know, a, a training infrastructure, a, a place that can help you um, step into a new activity successfully. So we, I love thinking about it that way of like, we've got to provide the infrastructure for a new community to step into these activities. And it's not just the physical built infrastructure, but let's also think about community and training as pieces of just making sure that the ground is fertile so that if someone steps in and likes it and wants to go forward, that there's um, a system to like just, just to keep them going. And so we've, we're finding that in that we can play a piece of that in mountain biking in the city um, and that Georgia Cycling Association is playing a piece of that and MTB Atlanta is doing a lot of that. And, um, you know, there's, there's a, some neat synergy that gets, you know, kids and teens into a new sport, uh, you know, authentically, like that they're stepping in, they are loving. Um, it's just really cool to see. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm also a mountain biker and I remember, you know, uh, you know, you know, arriving here back in 2000 and, you know, trying to, you know, and, and, you know, when you move here to Atlanta, you move to Georgia, you think about all of these trails and all that, but it, to ride anywhere that is you know, really, you know, significant of, of distance or something like that, where you feel like, oh, well, this is truly mountain biking. Cause I came from Florida and that was not mountain biking. That was off-road riding, a lot of sand. And so I was really looking forward, but you had to drive at least an hour outside of the city, you know, right, unless you right. went up to, um, you know, Soap Creek, you know, just outside the perimeter, yeah, that was the closest yeah. one. So to have the, you know, South, you know, Atlanta, you know, uh, you know, park opened up, I think that just opened up like in the last two years. Um, and they're expanding that, the, that trail system, because when I went out there, I think they only had two sections, like a four, maybe a six mile. And I think they're expanding it and they're developing it. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and I think things along the belt line where there'll be some things like a pump track, I think is, is sort of some things that they're talking about, you know, which develops some of those skills that can be used in off-road and, and mountain biking. Um, so I think those are all things I think are, are, are great. And, and I, I do agree with, as far as, like you said, the infrastructure, as far as, you know, training and, and building that, because I think you can, we, you know, this is sort of kind of get into a, a deeper discussion and, you know, but a lot of times when we're talking about more like, say, the professional and, you know, Tour de France and those high end elite cyclists, you know, there's always a question like, well, why doesn't the U.S. have riders of that caliber? Why is it all in Europe? And a lot of it comes down to the infrastructure, because in Europe, cycling is important and it's a way it's, it's a way of life. That's how they commute. A lot of them commute. The majority of them will commute and own bikes. Um, and have several bikes and they grow up riding bikes where here in the States, that's not something we really focus a lot on. It's definitely more team sports. That's why there's a big emphasis on, you know, baseball and, and football and basketball. And that's why we're better at that than we are at, you know, things like, you know, cycling. So, um, yeah, yeah. so having something like this, I think can make a difference, you know, down the road years from now, as far as developing, you know, some future talent that could, you know, represent the U.S. on a larger, you know, stage, especially if it's something that someone loves. And I also like the idea of what you said that, you know, in order to kind of get into, uh, you know, something like cycling, you don't have to spend a lot of money, especially if you don't know if you're going to like it. And, you know, I think just starting out with something basic and just kind of going out there, trying it out, figuring out if it's something you love. And then if you do, then you make the initial investment, then you start kind of learning more about it and, you know, finding groups and, and, finding and, and you learn it's a process and that's part of the fun yeah, of it is that yeah. process as well right um mm -hmm. so i really love what you what you guys are doing um so you mentioned you know as far as you know you grew out your space you know out of your space in that you know you know garage you were renting and now you have this beautiful larger facility um i've been by yeah. it as far as on the west you know on the um, west side you know and on the belt line there i've never been in it so i look forward to stopping by and checking it out but, you know, how did that come about? You know, I mean, you're a nonprofit, you know, so there had to be a lot of fundraising and, and I, you know, what was that process like? How many years did it take from the idea that said we need to expand and kind of build a, a, a much larger facility, basically starting yeah. from scratch, not renting a, a place, but building a place 
what was that like and, and kind of what went into all of that? Yeah, so it goes back to um, 2016, 2017, we, the program was growing um, so much. Our, our little basement shop would be packed out on a Saturday, especially we'd have a line out the door of kids waiting to get in, 50 kids inside working on bikes, which was just incredible. Um, and simultaneously, we were just seeing, you know, uh, in addition to just like a strengthened community and what that was doing for crime and um, other things in the neighborhood, we were just seeing this, this skills development just um, catapult these kids forward and just kids who were um, honestly headed towards either high school dropout or, or prison or just, you know, some, some bad paths were, um, were just thriving and, um, and stepping into work and uh, doing well in school and, you know, considering heading to college. So there was just, um, I mean, blessed, fortunate that just an appetite to help us grow as we started Mm -hmm. talking to people. Uh, They were like, yes, let's help you do go to the next level. So when those automotive shop owners decided to sell um, in 2017, they offered us first dibs on the property. Um, and, uh, and at that point, the West Side Trail was under construction. Um, and so we, we launched the capital campaign and raised about two and a half million dollars to, to purchase the property and renovate the garage, um, an old double Quonset hut. Um, that's just a unique, unique little landmark in, on the West Side um, and is now a 6,000 square foot um, program space and it's just it's unique it's there's nothing else like it it's just a workshop for building bikes um, and uh, we've got some great meeting rooms and additional training rooms and offices um, and uh, just under an acre of land right on the west side trail that is just primed for us to continue to grow um, our retail shop has grown um, over the last two years as well we re- we get a lot of bikes people still donate bikes to bearings that's like mm-hmm. our main lifeblood of um the program and um our income side of things so a lot of those bikes just don't get earned you know quickly enough so we refurbish them in the job training program and sell them back to the community um so we're refurbishing and selling a ton of bikes and then offer um reasonably priced repair service to the, the immediate community here through that shop um, which is really neat to see so uh, we're so thrilled. I mean, the new space opened in October 2020, and um, it's just a unique gathering place um, and just a, a beacon, you know, in the community for what can what's possible when you try something new and put your put your hand to work um, and developing skills. Well, I, I look forward to stopping by and checking it out because it does look like a yes, like a beautiful uh, beautiful space. Now, yeah, you, you, you like you said, you've got a retail shop where the kids work at and all that. But I mean, overall, you are a nonprofit, so you're still dependent on donations. So let's talk about some of the things that you guys are doing because you got a cool event coming up. You know, the, the yeah. Barron's Bike Along, which I'm looking forward to. I I plan on not only being there to kind of that morning of you know, helping out and volunteering any way I can. Big Peach Ride and Run will be there as well. You know, so we're partnering this. We're helping to promote it. And, you know, I'm also going to participate later in the day to the, you know, the, the belt grind, uh, I believe is what it's called. So that should be, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions there because it's, you know, but tell us first about the bearings bike along, you know, what can people expect, what it's all about and, uh, let's, let's, uh, let people know about it so they can come on out and help and support you guys. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's coming up on April 16th. It's a, uh, family friendly ride and run, um, activity just along the West side trail down in Southwest Atlanta. Um, so it'll be a recreational ride, uh, or run or walk. Um, it's designed to be something you could, um, bring your kids to and experience a, a side of the city that perhaps folks don't get, get over to very much. Um, and then we'll, uh, it will also have some activities afterwards. We'll have food and face painting and fun stuff for kids. Um, and it's, it's a fun day that'll just be all bearings, uh, benefiting bearings in some way. We'll have our thing in the morning, um, uh, and then the belt grind, um, their proceeds go to bearings as well, which is, um, just a neat partnership and such a fun, uh, afternoon adventure as well. 
Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, definitely, uh, go to, uh, bearingsbikeworks.org. Um, and then, uh, click under the, let's see here. Um, the under the get tab. get yeah get involved attend an event and the details yeah. are there and take you a link to sign up and participate and learn more about that but that should be a, a, a great time uh looks like in the fall you had the bearings barbecue and brew so that's another uh looks like you got that coming up on october 2nd yeah um, yep um and then uh the other thing that i found you know you guys you know, like you said you have your retail shop but you have a used gear sale where you offer, you know, some high-end bikes that you guys have worked on and I guess reserved them for this sort of kind of like garage sale where people can actually, you know, maybe find a really sweet ride, you know. Um, yeah, and, uh, we do that. And we that. also sell um, gear. We get a ton of cycling gear donated to bearings now um, and, part, you know, gear and parts and throughout the year. And so um, if you're, fix it working on a bike or if you're we find a lot of people like if they're getting into cycling for the first time can come and get outfitted you know in um a kit and shoes and um some of the things that if like you were talking about like if you're not quite ready to um you don't know if you're going to stick with it if you want to just try it yeah. out um it's a great way to kind of step into it and you know feel confident out on the bike um so yeah we'll be doing that um later this summer this year well, and then the fact that you're right on the belt line there is a great opportunity to test ride something, right? And just, you know, find out whether this is something your fits right, you know, whether it's something you want to do. And uh, so, you know, yeah. definitely encourage yeah. anyone that's interested to, to uh, you know, check them out and, uh, you know, purchase a bike there um, and get a great deal and, uh, you know, find out if that's something you're interested in. And uh, if, and for those of you that maybe, are no, no longer cycling, have lost interest and have a bike sort of kind of sitting in the garage collecting dust, then, you know, by all means, consider donating it to uh, bearings. I, you know, I think that what they're doing is, Absolutely. you know, is, is awesome repurposing those bikes. And, you know, I guess the, 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 the newest term is upcycling, right. To, you know, take something yeah, old and, yeah. and refurbish it and get it fixed up as instead of it ending up in, in a dump someplace. Um, so by all means, I think that's, you know, help support them. So let me get into the belt grind because the, in my question there is, is sort of like, what am I getting into? It's a 20 mile <laughs> ride, sort of kind of like, there's no course. It's sort of kind of like, I, I sort of feel like it's a scavenger hunt, sort of kind of like underground type thing. Someone mentioned to me, it's like, don't wear anything big peach related. You know, it's, <laughs> they're like, you don't know what to expect. And I was like, and I see people, uh, you know, on their page, you know, wearing costumes as, as well. What have I gotten into? Oh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, it is, it is the best of Atlanta. It is people from all walks of life that show up um, to ride the belt grind. So it's, uh, it's got that underground vibe. That's still really cool. You'll, you'll find out your course when you get there. Uh, and there's, um, It'll be, uh, Wyatt calls them breadcrumbs along the path that will, will let you know you're headed on the right, right path. Um, but it's, uh, it, I mean, it's just that I, I love, I mean, we've got folks from all backgrounds, road cyclists that are like renting mountain bikes, uh, for the, you know, the day to ride it. Um, people who are just recreational riders that, pro you know, probably haven't ridden 22 miles in a while that are still heading out and then just you know, um, in town biking crowd that, that just is looking for a fun day. And then of course, like afterwards, just a huge party over at Lee and white, kind of a moving party through all the breweries. Um, uh, and it should just be, a, I mean, it should be a great time. Uh, very, ad very adventurous. And it, it's a place where people can step in and feel, feel welcome, whatever your cycling background is. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's sort of kind of what I'm feeling. Like I said, I know that there's, um, there's a, there's, a, I guess if you want to actually race, if you're really competitive, you can race. I yeah. signed up for more of like, Hey, I'm just here for the fun. I don't know what I'm getting into. Let's just have fun. Just kind of cruise, you know, cause you know, I always find if, if it's a racing and it's sort of kind of like this un, you know, planned course, or you're not familiar with your surroundings, there's a good chance that if you're racing, you're going to get lost. So I'm like, I, I don't want to get lost. I don't want to yeah. you know, get lost and find out that I missed out on the good food and the beer afterwards. You know? <laughs> and, and, Cause that's, that's the fun part is, is the, is the after party, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, the team that plans it, they're, um, uh, it's just, I mean, 
really well just connected in the city and uh we're just so grateful that um they love the work we do and support it in this unique way um and, and celebrating all things bike on that day too it's really fun yeah well that's awesome like i said i plan on being out there all day i'll be there the first thing in the morning to kind of help out with the, be a great uh, day. the bike yeah. along and then hang out you know the afternoon for for the belt grind and the party afterwards so I've got, uh, you know, that Saturday I'm, I'm, I'm booked. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So looking forward to it. Um, so, you know, before we close out, I want to you know, encourage everyone to, you know, check out the, the website, bearingsbikeworks.org and, you know, read through some of the success stories uh, that they've shared on there because they're just doing phenomenal work and, you know, they're actually transforming lives. Um, you know, there's these kids' lives, their community. And I think that could expand beyond just Adair Park. Um, and I think it's just fantastic work, but, you know, before we go, Becky, is there a, a success story that sort of kind of like, you know, still it just resonates as yes, this is the mission and this is sort of kind of like the legacy mm. for you and Tim. Yeah. Um, gosh, we're, I mean, there's so many young, they're now like young adults, um, that we're so proud of, um, you know, a, a special, uh, young man in our life is, uh, his name's, his name's Collins. He was one of the first kids we met actually in the neighborhood, uh, met him while he was stealing a bike, actually Tim met him. <laughs> so, uh, realized he needed a bike. Um, and he, he earned a bike in the early days and we, we just were, we became friends. We became, um, just close and he lived in the, the community for um, all of his growing up years. He was 12 years old when we met him and um, he earned a bike. He participated in the program. We would go to football games and, um, you know, support him in what he was doing. He headed to college and just graduated from Kennesaw state about a year and a half ago. And um, awesome. just uh, had a, just, I had a lot of challenges. He lost his mom when he was young um, and has a, a sibling in prison and just um, he knew firsthand and he, he, he shared now there's actually a video on our website where he, he just knew that the negative influences around him, he had a, a choice and could head one way or the other and um, credit to the community um, and just having people around supporting him, um, affirming him and um, his path were, were what kept him on the, you know, straight and narrow, if you would. Um, and so those things are just special, you know, just knowing that that community um, and letting people know you care and you're there and can speak up, you know, when you see there's, you know, interesting choices being made or that sort of thing or point in the right direction and not in a dictator type of way, but just mm -hmm. being a, um, a mentor and a guide um, is, is really special. So we're, we're super proud of Collins and what he's, he's doing today. Well, that's, that's great to hear. I mean, I, you know, you know, I sort of kind of became familiar with bearings, you know, as we were kind of opening up a, a you know, a bike shop and getting more involved in, you know, what does that mean as far as relationships and the community and things that we were doing and became aware of, of what the work that you guys do. And of course, prepping for this, you know, you know, interview, I, I definitely did my, my research, checked out the website, learned so much more about you. And then, you know, talking to you, I, I'm a huge fan of you and the work that you and Tim are doing and the whole organization and bearings. And you've got, you know, whatever I can do, you know, as far as from Big Peach, you know, running company, Ride and Run and supporting the work that you guys are doing please, you know, feel free to reach out at any time. Like I said, I'll be out at the bike along the bell grinder and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm already looking at the other events and seeing, you know, kind of how that lines up with my schedule. Cause I would definitely want to support, I think this is great work. I think oh, it's, thanks. you know, those things that, you know, as, as individuals or even as a community, what can we do to change or transform someone's life? And you've, you've shown that that can be done. You're an, you know, an example and, you know, you know, there's, you know, a lot of times we say, oh, well, you know, you're, you're a gift and you truly are. The work that you and Tim are doing and bearings is a gift, not only to your community, but to the city. And I'm just so happy to, to have connected with you. Um, so thank you so much and continue doing the work that you're doing and, you know, we'll support you as much as, as, as we can. I know that we're, you know, obviously us having a bike shop, 
we're going to need, you know, uh, you know, mechanics and people to work in, in our shops. So you guys will definitely be the first, you know, we'll, we'll yeah. reach out and, and look for that support, you know, to get that, those t future team members and provide those opportunities to those individuals that, that have, um, are looking for something new, something different and, you know, a different choice in, in their life. So thank yeah. you so much for joining. Oh, thank you so much. You know, we're so grateful for you all and your whole team is just awesome and appreciate all you do in the, the community as well. And just love to remind people, you know, it just started with that one little bike, um, just one little act of kindness. And sometimes those are <laughs> the good reminders that it's, um, you don't start, you never start out big or what looks big. It just um, starts with helping a neighbor, helping a friend, and um, you never know what can become of it. So I appreciate you having me, Dave. Thanks. Oh, you're welcome. And that's, that's a great message to kind of close this podcast out. So thank you so much, Becky. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep in touch. Absolutely. All right. We'll be right back after this break. At Big Peach Running Company, we take pride in listening to your needs. We take into account the shape of your feet, previous injuries, and activity level to guide you to comfortable shoes for your feet. Whether you're a runner, walker, fitness enthusiasts, or simply need comfortable shoes to wear. We offer the best customer experience in the friendliest environment. It's no wonder we've been voted one of the best running stores in America by our fans. Visit any of our seven Big Peach Running Company locations for a free fit assessment and video gate analysis. Go to BigPeachRunningCo.com. And welcome back, man. That was a great conversation. You know, it was a pleasure having Becky, and I truly do mean that I am a huge fan fan of the work that Tim and Becky are doing and, you know, just bearings overall and everyone that has put time into that organization and the work they're doing is, is phenomenal. And so I'm a huge fan. I really want to encourage all of you to come out to bearings bike along. As Becky said, it is a, um, you know, family friendly type of event. It's like a six mile, you know, ride or run your choice. Um, bring the kids out. There'll be plenty of fun activities, um, you know, food and beverages, and it's all to support the work that they're doing. So your registration goes directly to Bearings Bike Works um, to support the work that they're doing in that community. And if you're adventurous like I am, uh, you know, take a look at the, uh, the belt grind. That uh, proves to be a, a sort of kind of a very, maybe non-traditional, but fun way, very open, open to, um, you know, uh, cyclists of all abilities. Um, although preferably, I think based on where I think they'll take, uh, you know, the, the course, uh, a mountain bike or gravel bike will probably uh, more suited to this than a strictly road bike. So I'll be out there all day volunteering in the, in the morning, um, with the bearing spike along, helping the kids and families in any way that I possibly can, along with our team from uh, big peach ride and run. And then I'm going to hang out afterwards in the afternoon and participate in the belt grind. So come on out and I encourage you to, 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 you know, come out to that event and support this great organization. If you can't come out to that event, do go onto their website and look at other ways of supporting them. They do have, like I said, that, you know, barbecue and brews that's uh, in the fall. I believe it's October 2nd. And if you do have a bike that you're just no longer using or, you know, just collecting dust or maybe it's broken down and just don't know what to do with it, either you know, take it to them and support them, uh, let them service it. And those funds will help support the work that they're doing or just donate it all together. And, you know, let that be a bike that they can then upcycle and provide it to someone else and the work that they're doing. So really, really great work that they're doing. I know that we're going to continue to partner up with them. They will actually provide some of the uh, SAG support and mechanics for Velocity that we will be a part of. Um, and we will be, you know, recruiting, um, you know, staff from our for our bike shop and we uh, are ready to do so because we will be growing and we will need more team members and so why, why not you know pull that right from within our own community from individuals that are trained that have been vetted and have the skills um to you know to work in a shop to interact you know with our guests and to uh you know do our best to kind of once again support the community so come on out support them and uh you know Keep tuning in. We'll see, uh, you know, what we've got next on the next podcast. Um, and, uh, you know, remember, may your best miles be those just ahead. So long, everybody. Hey, y'all, if you enjoy our podcast, let us know. If you have topic suggestions, questions, or guests you'd like to hear on the Big Peach Ride and Run podcast, email us at podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube.